Uh, let's bring in our TSN hockey insider, Chris Johnson, who is just kind enough to join us when he's in the midst of breaking some news. I'm seeing notifications from insider CJ pop up on my phone as he's on the phone. Chris Johnson, how's it going? Oh, I'm a broken man today. I gotta be honest. <laughs> yeah, I today? don't blame you. <laughs> I feel like I've been punched in the gut for about a week straight. The, the last 72 hours in hockey, like you, you go back to the deals from Sunday morning, and then yesterday you had a flurry. What did you say, Julie? There were 40 different transactions. Yeah yesterday that were made in the National Hockey League. In like, terms of guys going up and down and stuff. And, and then here you are today, and, you know, early morning, there's a, a Johnny Quick and uh, Corpusalo trade that goes down, Gavrikov. We'll get to that in a moment. And uh, apparently there's something else that's in the works right now, uh, CJ? Uh, just an extension for Dylan Larkin in Detroit. Um, you know, it sounds like they've, they've come to terms on an eight-year deal until it's north of $8.5 million, which is the contract Bo Horvat recently signed with the Islanders. And so, you know, a big piece of business for, for the Red Wings because they, you know, have a number of UFAs and, and Larkin is uh, their captain. I don't think there was any real serious talk about him being traded at this deadline. He does have a no trade clause, but, um, you know, they've been grinding away on this contract for months and, and you know, they're finally about to, to sign off on it here in the next couple hours. So let's get to uh, the business of yesterday, CJ, because it, it was an absolutely wild day. Like from... The hours of maybe 2 p.m. to 5 p.m., like where does that rank for you on a, in terms of like a buzz and busyness scale on a day that's not technically trade deadline or free agent frenzy? Well, I think it, for me it surpasses the day that we had the, the P.K. Subban deal and the Stamkos contract and the one-for-one, um, you know, Taylor Hall trade to, to New Jersey. Uh, that one was pretty wild because it sort of seemed to come out of the clear blue sky, just three major transactions one after another. But um, there was a lot of smaller stuff yesterday and then obviously a number of big moves, you know, stuff involving the Maple Leafs, multiple trades, you know, during a practice, you know, Rasmus Sandin getting called off the ice. I, I think, you know, the at-home deal, Edmonton, it, it's, um, you know, there might be some recency bias in it, but I think to me that surpassed it. And look, we, we come from a busy, like we had a busy Sunday in this league. Like it's not just like yesterday's been busy. It's, it's, yeah. This has been the most interesting deadline period, I'll call it, the last three weeks that I've covered, you know, in my days as a reporter. I, you know, maybe pre-trade deadline or, sorry, pre-salary cap, there there was deadlines that would rival this, but I don't think we've seen anything like this in the last 20 years in, in the NHL. So why do you think that is, CJ? Is it just a, a flat-out because there's just defined buyers and sellers this year more than any other year? Like, we, we heard all season, ah, oh, you can't do anything because of the flat cap and there's no room, and then all of a sudden now, everyone's finding cap space to make trades. Yeah, you know, look at the, the season as a whole, though. There was almost no trades during the year, mm-hmm. um, you know, prior to, to, you know, the Tarasenko deal, essentially, to the Rangers. But, you know, there was almost no player transactions at all, and I just wonder if that made it almost like a volcano where, you know, everything erupted all at once. And, you know, it's, it's, it's hard for me to ex- exactly explain. You know, you have a number of teams, I think, that are kind of going all in, in a sense. You know, Toronto and Edmonton fall into that category. You know, the, the Devils getting pretty aggressive. I mean, there's just new teams that are going for it. You know, I think that there's, in this case, we've seen a, an evolution or a change in the way draft picks are valued, too. I mean, we, what are the odds of seeing this many first-rounders move? That, this, this almost never happens. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Toronto's traded out two and, and got one back. Yeah. Um, you know, all the other top teams, whether it's, uh, you know, the Rangers, the Devils, the, the Bruins, the Lightning, the Oilers now, the LA Kings last night, they've all traded first-rounders. I mean, it's just been a wild 
period. I, I'm not sure that I, I might need the dust to settle more and need to think about it. I, I don't know there's one answer except that with nothing happening all year long, you know, all of a sudden everyone just decided at once to get crazy. And get crazy they have. A third of the Leafs roster that, I don't know, are we going to see them all tonight, CJ? Actually, that's a, that's a side question. Are we going to see everybody play in Edmonton tonight? Well, there's a, they've got nine defensemen, so yeah. including two new <laughs> so ones. Not everyone. And Eric Gustafson and Luke Shen. So, so just by numbers, we're not going to see everybody. Um, you know, Certainly, I think that you'll see Jake McCabe and Sam Lafferty in the lineup because uh, they got a chance to practice with the team yesterday in Seattle. Um, you know, but I, I'm not sure if, if you'll see Shen or Gustafson at this point, just because, I mean, they're, they're new, they haven't practiced, and they got lots of other bodies to play instead. Right, but essentially, like, a third of the playing roster is, is going to change for the Maple Leafs. Are you, uh, are you surprised by the level of renovation that Dubas decided to go to here, or were you expecting him to, to be this aggressive? I, I expected him to be aggressive even after the O'Reilly and Achari move, but I, I didn't foresee this necessarily. And, you know... I, I I like it. It's entertaining. <laughs> I think it's, it's, it's interesting, um, and, and I really can't fault any of the individual moves. You know, it's tough to part with someone like Rasmus Sandin, but when you bring in Jake McCabe, signed two more years and an affordable number beyond this one, who also shoots left, and you have Morgan Riley under long-term contract. I mean, there's just not much of a path there for Sandin to continue to grow and develop, and so I think it, it makes sense to to give him a chance elsewhere and, and to load yourself up with another first rounder. Um, you know, it's 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 been really uh, quite something, and I don't I don't think they're done honestly. Like it, it doesn't it feels a little incomplete, doesn't it? I mean, having nine defensemen as much as every team covets depth and all that, you know, that that's nine defensemen on the active roster now. It doesn't even include Jordy Ben, who's played you know a number of yeah. games for the team this season, who's down in the American Hockey League as further depth. Um, you know, so I, I I could see someone from that group being removed. I don't know if that's Gustafson being flipped elsewhere or Justin Hall. I mean, I I don't know how that's going to break, but I, I would I could see another defenseman going at the door. And, and I do wonder at this point if you're this far in, do you, do you go get some insurance and that and, and find another goaltender to even just bring in as a as a third you know healthy experienced player. You know, in the event that Matt Murray, you know, his return from this ankle injury doesn't go well and he's he's not available to the team, you know, in in the the biggest games of the year. So who are those guys that might be on the market? We obviously saw Corpusalo get dealt to to, uh, to to L.A., you know, Johnny Quick. Maybe he's a guy, but is there some other names that we should be kind of keeping tabs on potentially who could kind of fit that, uh, fit that mold? Well, I've heard no specific, you know, Leafs interest in any of these players, but, you know, among the guys that, that could be dealt at this deadline, you know, you've got James Reimer on expiring contract in San Jose. I think the, the Senators would move on from Cam Talbot. Um you know, quick now will will be tried to be packaged somewhere else in the league. He doesn't want to, you know, play in Columbus uh, after the trade there last night. Um, you know, maybe Thomas Greish might might be available. You know, it's it's not we're not talking about someone who's coming in, in my view, to 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 steal starts away from Samsonov or even Murray. It's if you're bringing in another veteran, it's sort of like what they did with David Riddick a couple years ago. It's it's just to just give yourself some depth. Uh, just in case, um, you know, someone who's played a number of games in the NHL. It's, you know, I, I don't say this as any mark on Joseph Wold because he's he's had a great year in the American Hockey League, played a little bit with the Leafs too. But um, I just think that, you know, for this season, you want to leave almost nothing to chance. And so we'll see what they can come up with. They, they don't have a plentiful amount of cap space. You know, a lot of the the, the, the the contingencies of what I'm talking about here would be them, you know, having to remove more money from the roster in order to bring somebody in. Um, but, you know, the word that, that I've heard is that they're still open for business. I mean, there's still two days plus, a couple hours until the deadline. And, and 
you know, I, I don't have any reason to believe the Leafs have made their final transaction before Friday yet. Yeah, the late night deal involving Jonathan Quick was interesting to me. It sounded like it was just as surprising to him as it kind of was to me. Do you have any insight there as to how that happened? Like, I, I was so surprised to see he didn't have a no move clause. And is there potential that the Blue Jackets might flip him even before the deadline? Uh, I think that they'd like to. I mean, certainly, you know, he was included in that trade to make the money work from LA's end of things. You know, that they, they were taking on Gavrikov at and uh, Corpusalo at their full salaries, and so this kind of made it a you know a cap neutral move for for the Kings, um, you know. And so yeah, I think they'd like to find him a home. I, I don't know because he, he does have I think a five point eight million dollar cap hit. Um, you know, even if Columbus retains half, that's still a, a pretty big cap hit. So it, it might be tough to find a new home for him. You know, you wonder if he actually doesn't have as much salary, actual salary. Um, on his on his deal, so you know maybe there's even a world where they think about mutually terminating that contract and making him a free agent uh, mm. before Friday. I mean, I, I think that that they'll do what they can to try to to find him a spot somewhere else to play. And and you know it's been a tough year for John and Quick. He actually played really well last season though. And so you know I, I don't know how much gas is left in that tank. You know, players had a great career, but but a number of down years, and is is getting up there in his 30s. But you know I, he would at least give you some confidence. I think for a team. If you had to play him in a tight spot, that that you know he could he could give you a few good games here or there. That'd have to happen today, right? Like he'd have to be on waivers and then bought out tomorrow in order for him to be accessible in the playoffs, right? I think no, that could actually be executed tomorrow uh, because he just has to sign by Friday at three p.m. Gotcha. So it would have to it would have to happen pretty quickly. I, I'm not saying that's necessarily going to happen. I think the Blue Jackets right. definitely. You know they're, they're they're giving him and his agent an ability to go find another place to play and, and see see what's out there. I think that they'll do what they can to to accommodate that. Um, but you know, all, obviously, this has all kind of come together pretty late last night, and the trade was only officially announced you know an hour ago. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, you can get Johnny Quick at 800K if you could get him if he gets bought out. That you know would be a, a move that I think yeah. Kyle Dubas would like to do. We're chatting with uh, TSN hockey insider Vegas, Chris. Too, man. Vegas needs a goalie and if they if that kind yeah. of thing was there, it would make sense too. They would as well. I'm sure there's a couple teams out there that might uh, that might want to want to tender. Uh speaking with Chris Johnson TSN hockey analyst. I want to go back to the Sandine deal really quickly. Like in hindsight, it, it makes a lot of sense just because he looked like he was going to be, be the outside guy when it comes to you know their their playoff roster and like their healthy roster. And why let Nassau depreciate if he's not going to play at, at a young age? Move on, get a first round pick. It does make sense. But were you surprised by this, or, or were there rumblings that maybe he was going to be in the market here? I, once the McCabe deal was done, I, I think it, it became more possible. Um, you know, I, there was a world, I think, Rasmus Sandin could have been traded last summer when he had the, the long, you know, contract standoff with the team. And, you know, I think that, that it was at least pondered at that point in time. And, you know, I think that this is a reasonably good outcome for him. He's, he's going to a team that doesn't have a lot of players signed, um, you know, at, at the defensive position. You know, Washington's trying to do a bit of a retool on the fly versus a rebuild. Um, so I, I think that this, this is a, a good outcome for everyone. But there's there's a symbolic nature of this trade, though, too, right? This this was the first draft pick that Kyle Dubas made as the general manager of the team. Um, you know, obviously had the Sault Ste. Marie connection there. He always so drafted out of, out of the Greyhound in the OHL. You know, I, I don't know if we call him a core piece, but he's pretty close to a core piece. He's grown up with a lot of the players in the organization. I know he's close with the guys and obviously William Nylander in particular. And so this is there, – there's, there's kind of a – 
you know, there's kind of this feeling of, of, you know, ripping something off. You know, I think that we've seen a different approach clearly at this deadline from the Leafs. You know, Kyle Dubas hasn't shied away from the idea that the team had to get more competitive in his words. Um, and so, I, you know, I think we're seeing the types of deals he hasn't really made in the past, you know, whether it's, it's the, you know, the, the price paid in some ways for Achari and O'Reilly, but, but also, you know, trading away, you know, a pretty valued member of the team and someone I think that could have had a long future here. And in an alternate universe, I mean, you wanted Sandine to be here for 10 or 15 years. Um, you know, it didn't play out that way, but, uh, you know, I, I think that, that it's, it's probably a good outcome for everyone involved, but it is a little different kind of trade than, than the Leafs are used to, you know, enduring at this time of year. Yeah, I'm curious, CJ, because you, you touched on he's got a, a close relationship with, with these guys, Pierre Engvall as well, you know, William Nylander. They, they all had a really tight-knit relationship there. Like, is Kyle Dubas, just look at, at all the turnover that he's done in the last 11 days or so. Like, is he taking a big risk here just hoping that these guys come together for the playoffs? Well, look, there's risk in there's risk in doing nothing at the deadline, and there's risk in doing too much, right? I mean, his job is essentially to to assess the risk and 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 weigh the the balances. You know, I I don't I like the moves honestly. I, I think that if you remember, we're not that far removed from you know Andre Kasha and, and Jason Spezza, you know, players like that playing on the fourth line for the Leafs um, at times. And and it's not to, to knock on them. You know, in fact, Spezza performed really well in, in limited minutes for, for the team right up until he retired. But, you know, I think they're, they're, they're embracing a different kind of identity, right? That this is going to be, this is going to be a bit more of a bang and crash bottom six now for the Leafs. I, I think that that makes a lot of sense when you look at both the way the Bruins are, are built in that area and, and the lightning, which are the two teams Toronto would obviously have to get to, to, to even just get to the conference final uh, most likely. And, and so I, I think that this is, it's, it's a bold play, but, you know, who knows how these things work? We've seen teams, you know, last year, Colorado, I think, added four or five players at the deadline or in that period, and it didn't didn't hurt them. And it was a lot of, you know, fourth liners, you know, kind of the, the Coglianos of the world, you know, also Lekkonen and, and Josh Manson on their blue line, and, and that worked out. And so I, I don't think it's, I don't think it's completely crazy, uh, but, you know, maybe we're looking back and they just don't gel and, and, you know, if they don't end up moving another defenseman, if there's just too many guys and not clear rules, I mean, there's, there's there's certainly lots of ways this could play out, but you know, I, I think this was this is a year you don't want to leave anything to chance, and then clearly that's the mindset of the front office right now. You know who'd love to coach this team? Like just listening talk about it. You know, you got your top six that's skilled, you got your bottom six that's you know they're they're going to go and and bang away. You've got a, a pretty good, well-rounded blue line. Leave him Man, out of this. Imagine Mike Babcock, what he's thinking right now, looking at this team, looking at Dubas and saying, "I've told you years ago, this is what we needed," and here he is. Now he's got it. But it's Sheldon Keefe who's got the reins. Um, he should have a lot of fun putting together these lineup pairings over the course of the next uh, couple of weeks. Let's, uh, let's, let's move on, because as you said, lots of news around the league. Um, Matthias Ekholm, probably one of the bigger deals that went down yesterday as well. Uh, where does that put the Oilers for you um, in terms of the Western Conference power rankings by adding Ekholm? Well, I don't even know what to make of the Western Conference power rankings. You know, it's such a... I mean, if... I haven't looked this morning, but, you know, there's only eight or ten points between the top team in the conference and, and those in, in the wild card, you know, missing out. And and so it's a bit of a jump ball out west, in, in my estimation. I mean, we all expect Colorado still to be a tough team to to, to, to defeat in a best of seven, you know, but they haven't been healthy all year. They've still got Landis Cog out. I mean, they just – it might be one of those seasons for them where they just never quite get it all together at the right time. And, you know – if not them, I mean, who's who's your number one power? Is it is it 
a team like Dallas, which has had some recent struggles? Is it is it Vegas uh, or even Seattle? I mean, to me, it's it's wide open, and so I, I like to move for Edmonton. It's it's a bit of a risky one, from in the sense that you know Tyson Berry has has anchored what is you know the top power play in the league, and is a super super uh, popular guy in that dressing room, tight with Connor McDavid. So when we talk about say, maybe more the human side of of deals, you know this this will be an interesting one to see how the Oilers move on from it and how it's received there. But you know I think from a pure need standpoint, uh, you know adding someone like Matthias Ekholm is is you know in some ways a no brainer. Uh, there's risk in the later years perhaps of that contract, but he's still a very stout defensive presence. You know it fills a clear need on the left side that the Oilers I think have identified and had and and. Um, you know, I don't think that they're done yet either. I could see them adding another forward still before Friday to, to their group. So, you know, I, I, I get the play and, and I understand it, but it's another one. I, you can't sit here and say for sure it's going to work. I, but I, I do know that it's a big year in Edmonton. And when you have players like McDavid and, and Dreisaitl performing arguably at an even higher level somehow in their eighth year together than, than any of the ones before it, um, you know, I think you have to push your chips in and take some risk. Yeah, okay, so them acquiring Ekholm also meant that Jacob Chikrin spent another day on our trade bait board. I'm all, uh, <laughs> 40 transactions yesterday, not one of them involving Jacob Chikrin. Like all the trades we've seen in the last 72 hours, and this guy's still ch- sitting in the press box waiting to play hockey. It's insane. Yeah. Wow, it's so interesting. I'm like, that's the thing. It's not as though nobody wants him. You know, what it's been all along is a difference between how the Coyotes value him and how the team's trying to trade for him value him. I mean, Edmonton nearly made a deal for him this week. I mean, I guess in trades you can never say anything is close. I mean, it either happens or it doesn't, but they certainly went well down the road of discussions, um, you know, with, with Chikrin and, and, and the Oilers. And, and then obviously they pivoted another direction and went at home's way. You know, I keep an eye on a team like Buffalo, maybe swooping in and, and trying to get him. You know, Ottawa, yeah. you just wondered if, you know, I still feel like there's a big move coming from Ottawa. You know, their team's really come on. I, I think yeah. the playoffs is the big ask, but, you know, if you're in Pierre Dorian's office, you know, you probably want to give the group what you can. Um, They've asked you know. for it publicly. Exactly. <laughs> so I, I mean, look, I, I still think there's hope here for Chikrin, and, and honestly, on a certain level, I just hope it happens for the kid and the team. I think that it, it has gone on way, 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 way too long. I know Bill Armstrong says he's going to keep him. He's on the deadline if he doesn't get his price, but but hopefully some sanity prevails and uh, you know there's there's a deal to be made there for him. Give me a Jerry's percentages though. The odds of Chickering getting dealt by Friday. I'm gonna put it at seventy five percent. Okay. 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 That's fair. I'm almost like honestly like forty eight percent. Like at this point, it's, <laughs> it just seems so. It just there's no more. There's not many landing spots. There used to be so many suitors in landing spots, and now it's like like you said. Buffalo, Ottawa, but those two teams have yet to meet that asking price. And it just seems like the Coyotes just aren't willing to budge. Like at some point here, you got to think if they do move Chikrin, it's only because that asking price dropped. Right, exactly. And, and it, look, it might because this is, you know, as much as we talk about a certain market for certain players, I mean, it, it, there is, there's a, you know, there's a buyers and sellers element. When, when you run out of buyers, Maybe the price does need to drop. And I, and I think, you know, as much as we all acknowledge and see from afar that everyone would benefit from a move here, you know, I, I think that, that Arizona must as well. And I think that they're doing everything they can to, to get a contract out. It's backloaded financially, so there's, there's reason to do it there. There's just the human element of it. And I think that, you know, the, the Coyotes want to be rebuilding. They, they've stockpiled a lot of picks in, in recent years, and I think they want more. And, and 
you know, if you're moving Chicker and they've wanted two first rounders, I mean, I can guarantee they'll get at least one plus something else. And so that's, that's a pretty good piece uh, to, to get for a team that's, you know, not trying to win games too aggressively this season. CJ, I've got one more for you before we let you go, just circling back to the Leafs. AB and I were chatting about this a bit yesterday, and we just got a text about it that kind of reminded me of our conversation. It says, why did it take so long for Kyle Dubas to finally build a team this way? And I think he's talking about uh, just kind of the the grit and the toughness to play against all around those core guys. Do you think this has more to do, CJ, with Kyle Dubas kind of getting a new philosophy as to how he wants this team to look? Or do you think it has more to do with him trusting the pieces that he has to to get this done and, and it's more of a, he, he's given them the opportunity this year because he thinks that he's there, there? Well, I think he thinks they're there. I mean, look, other than the first two weeks of the season, they've, they've been right at the top of the league standings, you know, since late October, early November. Um, you know, and, and despite all the injuries to D, they had, you know, in the midway part of the year, They've 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 persevered through a lot. They, they've managed to navigate this goaltending situation, which we all entered the season wondering how that was going to work out. And so I think he's rewarding his group, you know, for for that performance. I mean, they, they've proven they're over the last five years. Really, they're one of the league's best regular season teams. They, they haven't so far got it done in the playoffs. And so, you know, I, I like the way that Sheldon Keith termed it yesterday. He said something along the lines that, that Kyle's been really honest about what our team needs. I think that. He has had to shift some of his thinking a little bit and to look critically at a team that hasn't had all the success but hasn't gotten over the hump and what it might need. And so I don't know if we'll, we'll call it a full-scale philosophy shift because we, we've seen him, you know, bring in rugged players before, even yeah. you know, initially getting Wayne Simmons and, and all that. You know, it's not as though this is totally brand new, but I think he's done it with different types of guys now. I really like the, the pieces that they've added. You know, these are useful players. Sam Lafferty might be one of the fastest skaters in the league. You know, Nola Chari, you know, hits. Uh, he's very good in face-offs, good penalty killer. Like he's added specific elements, and and you know we're not talking about players at the very end of their careers either. They're still they're still in their prime. So, um, you know, I, this is a, maybe a bit of a philosophy shift, but it's also let's face it, we all know if if something good doesn't happen this spring, that that you know we're going to be talking about some big <laughs> changes in the summer. Let's not talk about that because I think we got to celebrate what Dubas has done here in the last uh, the last eleven days because I think he's done a pretty bang up job. But to your point. We won't really know how successful it is until uh, until springtime, till April, when the puck drops for Game One of the playoffs. Hopefully, it's at Scotiabank Arena, but we know it'll be against the Tampa Bay Lightning because that's how the NHL works in the year uh, 2023. CJ, we got through a whole hit without one horn beep. It was fantastic. I appreciated it, and. Uh, Good luck the next couple of days, man. You will be busy on your phone, and uh, we'll chat next week. Hopefully you enjoy yourself and enjoy your weekend after what's going to be Seriously. a crazy next couple of 48 hours for you. Yeah, I don't want to spoil it, but I don't think we're going to talk next week because CJ is going to take some downtime. Ooh, I love it for you, you know CJ. You, you deserve it, pal. You will definitely sure. deserve it. We'll catch up soon. Yeah, if not on Friday, then two weeks from now. Yeah. All right. Right, see you guys. Take it easy. There he goes. Chris Johnston, our TSN hockey insider.